Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, join me today in Hebrews 10. And uh, I want to continue with this that we have been looking at, Let Us Draw Near. I uh, uh, was so uh, blessed. We were going over our 10 benefits, and uh, we talked about uh, uh, all of our needs being met. Thank you, Lord, for supplying all my financial needs according to your riches and glory. And uh, I was talking to uh, one of our uh, fellowship pastors, uh, actually on the way down here, and uh, up, actually, I guess, and... uh, I was visiting with them, and, and it was interesting because when I was in uh, Murrieta, California here the first part of the year, I was there for the Holy Ghost meetings at uh, Pastor Nancy's church, and uh, I was talking with uh, some of the ministers. They have a, a minister's uh, fellowship every, every night after church, and I was visiting with some of the people I hadn't seen for a year or so, and we were getting, you know, talking about things, and uh, some years ago... Dr. Dufresne, I, I won't take a long time with this. Dr. Dufresne had an experience. Uh, of course, he's in heaven today. But he was in a, a meeting, and, and he was, had a church building in uh, California. And I think it was in Temecula, California. And uh, it was the old headquarters for the Taco Bell Corporation in that part of the country. And he had turned it into a church, and he was trying to buy it. And they wanted a little over $100,000 for it. And he was having a, a time getting the money. And uh, the landlord just was really pressuring him. And so 10 businessmen came, or 100 businessmen came out of his church and said, well, we'll each give you $1,000 uh, to pay this off, and then when you get the money, you can just pay us back. And he said, I was really thinking about it, but the Lord said, well, look at all the grief you're having with one landlord. What do you think you're going to have with 100? And uh, so... So he, he kept seeking the Lord, and he went on a meeting. And uh, uh, in the course of time that morning, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to uh, have your uh, associate go minister for you this morning. There's some things I want to talk to you about. So he did. And he said, while he was waiting on the Lord, he heard it sound like somebody came in his room. And he said, he, he went out there, and he said, when I walked into that uh, living area of that suite that he had, he said there were two angels standing there, and he said they, they were in, in armor. And he said you could tell that they'd been uh, engaging in some battle. And he said, uh, I uh, stopped, and I said, uh, well, why are you here? And they said, uh, we're here to put your finances in order. And he said, I said, okay, praise God. And they just stood there. And he said, uh, what are you boys waiting on? And they said, we're waiting on the command. Amen. And that's when he sent them because he remembered the scripture where it said, the angels hearkened to the voice of the word. And he said, I sent them to go get the finances I needed for that building. Well, he, he finished that meeting and went back home. I don't remember how exactly long it was, but he was in his office one morning and uh, he was talking to his lawyer. They were discussing this whole situation. And uh, uh, the secretary came in and said, there's a man out here that wants to see you. Well, he thought it was the person for the building, so he sent the lawyer out to talk to him. Lawyer went out and talked to this person and said, I think you need to talk to this guy. He said, okay. So brought the guy in. The guy came in. He's in a jogging suit. Didn't look like a preacher. Didn't look, you know. And he sat down and he began to talk to Dr. Dufresne. One of the first things he said was he said, uh, you know, I've been to your church and I don't like you. He said, I, I, don't, I don't like your ministry. He said, I don't enjoy your preaching. You're too wild for me. He said, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little more laid back. He said, but that being said, there have been two guys in my bedroom every night for the last week telling me to write you a check for $100,000. And so he did. And uh, then, a long story short, uh, uh, that was a miracle, but then they needed like, Ten more thousand or something like that. I forget how much it was. And he had a friend there ministering. 
And he said, I looked up, and that guy came in, sit down in the back of the church, and he said, before my friend started ministering, he stopped and looked back at that guy and said, sir, you need to come up here and obey God. And doctor said, I, I, I wanted to get his attention, go, he's already obeyed God, leave him alone. But he, he came up, and uh, they were talking about how much they needed, and uh, the guy came up, and he said, uh, uh, those two guys are back, and they told me to bring you a check for this, and he paid the whole thing off. Well, here's, here's the reason I'm telling you that story. As I was talking to this pastor and, and uh, his spouse, their spouse, and uh, they had read that story in a book just about a week ago. Last week, before Sunday. And when, they, when he got done reading that, he came to his spouse and he said, we need to send the angels to go get the money we need. It's $16,000, right, to finish what they're doing on their building. And uh, so they did that. Sent the angels to go do that. And Sunday morning, they were uh, telling the church that story. They were doing, you know, they do, I think they do Facebook Live. And so they were doing the story. Some of their people weren't there. And uh, so they got done telling that story. And after church, uh, they were headed home. And uh, one of their, I don't remember who it was, one of their phones rang. And it was this lady. She's a widow. Uh, Her son was actually murdered not too long ago, uh, and very, a group, very good woman. And she said, I heard you tell that story. And she said, just a couple nights ago, two men stood in my bedroom and told me that you needed a check for $16,000. And she said, I'll give you the check for $16,000. And it paid everything off. Well, here's where I'm getting to the end. When we were talking in California, if you talk with FOF Fellowship ministers, we're we're a part of that Fresh Oil Fellowship, and uh, Pastor Michelle and I were were licensed through them, and uh, if you talk to them, they talk about the Taco Bell angels. And, And as we were talking in the course of those meetings, it kept coming around that people were sensing the same thing uh, that others were sensing that those angels are working again. Amen. You may not have a Taco Bell building, but were I you, I'd get busy sending them. Amen. Because they're working. Amen. They're working. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near. This is part 10. This is a super series. Not to be confused with the super spreader. Hallelujah. It's the answer to the super spreader. But uh, Hebrews 10, 22, notice it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And that phrase, draw near, means to be near, to draw near, to worship. And we've been making the statement that the goal of the Christian life is maturity. Growing up into Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. uh, You don't necessarily have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen for us, but you can write it down. Ephesians 4 and 15 tells us that the goal of the local church, the goal of coming to the local church is this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So the goal of the Christian life is to grow up into that image of Christ. All right? That's that's the ultimate goal. So the goal of the Christian life is maturity or growing up into Christ. And there are things that God desires to take his people into, but maturity is a prerequisite. It's something that I have to mature to enter into. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've said this over and over again in this series, but uh, the, the, when I was growing up in church, and I grew up in a, in a denomination that prided ourselves on believing the whole word, the whole word. But if I ever heard a message on renewing your mind, or you're the righteousness of God in Christ, or anything that has to do with maturity and growing up, I don't remember it. 
Now, the reason that's so important is we prided ourselves on believing the whole word. But there was so little doctrine taught. There was so little teaching that people didn't grow up. And so consequently, we'll talk about this as we move forward. Consequently, you had a lot of saved people saved in their spirit, totally reborn, totally new creatures, but their salvation had never affected their soul. And what were we left with? Carnal Christians. Uh, now, you get quiet. You've got to say something. So say out loud. Carnal Christians. Carnal. Hey, amen. You understand? And so every one of us know carnal Christians. Now, here's the issue. Hallelujah. I will never mature past my thinking. Ever. I won't mature past my thinking. If my thinking is wrong, my believing will be wrong. If I think wrong, my believing's wrong. Right? And if my believing is wrong, then my talking will be wrong. And then I really have a problem. Because I have what I say. So if I'm, if I'm thinking wrong, my believing's wrong. If I'm believing wrong, my speaking is wrong. Amen. This is important. And the, and the reason it's important is if I, can, if I can do something about my thinking, I can do something about my believing. Amen. If you don't know what to think, you won't know what to believe. Right? Remember I said last week that, and we'll talk about it even more today. I, I think it was Wednesday night. I talked about how once you start getting in the Word and you start seeing, uh, for instance, that you're the righteousness of God, now you know how to think. When I start seeing myself as righteous, I know how to think. Just to be in right standing with God, not to be perfect, but to be in right standing with God, what's that do? That gives you boldness to go ask Him for something. That gives you boldness to request. Why? Because my thinking has changed. I, I, I said that in my last message. There was a guy in that denomination that I was raised in that wrote a song about being a worm. That's what, they, that's what we thought of ourselves, a worm, and how we were just worms just groveling along, and anything that we got from God, we ought to just be grateful because we're just worms. And people shouted and boo-hooed and snotted over that song like it was spiritual. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following me? My dad, who was healed in the days of the voice of healing, uh, uh, Elsie Roby laid hands on him, and God healed him. And he was having some of those symptoms come back. And he went to the head of that denomination and said, I want you to pray with me. He was one of the leading evangelists in that denomination and told him, said, I want you to pray for me. These symptoms are coming back on my body. And the leader of the denomination looked at him and said, Brother, now that's just the cold hand of God. That's the icy breath of God teaching you a lesson. Well, what if he'd have died and left two kids and a wife? Would they have just told us that's the icy breath of God? Of course they would have. Amen. What, what does that tell you? God can do miraculous things in your life. And if your thinking doesn't change, it won't change how you view God. And so there are believers that have seen miracles and seen things in their life but their, their thinking hasn't changed. They have not, that salvation has not invaded their soul. And so they know God can. And they live their life waiting from miracle to miracle. And the next big thing that God does. And they never renew their mind to the fact that we are to live our lives in that state of victory. Amen. Amen. I, I, I was watching a message last night on Fred Price. You, you all know Fred Price. He, he went to heaven here the other day. And watching a message from him in 1988, it might be the best message on faith I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, 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 and he was talking about how at that time he had been in the Word of Faith for 18 years. He said, I have not had a down day in 18 years. If you tell some people that, they'll go, oh, no, that's impossible. Everybody has down days. If that's what you think. If your thinking's wrong, you'll be looking for down days. Why? Because everybody has them. 
right? Everybody has them. That's what people say. Everybody has them. Pastor, now everybody has them. I had a preacher get mad at me because I said I don't struggle. I didn't say I didn't face a struggle. I said I don't struggle. Why? Because what did he tell us? He said, you take your care and you cast it on me. Because I care for you. Jesus said, you come to me and here's what you'll find. That my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me. Learn this of me. Come unto me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden. And here's what will happen. You'll find rest. Not a bigger burden. Not more effort. Rest. Hallelujah. Amen. You follow me? But here's what a lot of believers do. Help me, Kevin. Come here. Help me for a minute. You don't mind coming up here with me, do you? Hallelujah. Stand right here now. Now let's say, here, here we go. All right? I'm going through life. Burdened. Right? And I'm going across the parking lot in front of the church. And Kevin comes up. He says, Pastor, what are you doing? So, well, I'm trying to get in there to preach. You got about two minutes. Uh, you better hurry. Well, I'm trying to hurry, Kevin, but I'm just burdened down. And Kevin goes, well, I'll take that for you. And I roll it over onto him. Here's what most believers do. Amen. They keep, thank you. They keep walking through life like that because their thinking hasn't changed. If he said, cast all your care on me, how much are you supposed to cast on him? How much can you cast on him? How much has he authorized you to cast on him? So you have the authorization. You have the permission. What would be the problem? Amen? Because what's religion say? Hey, you better, not, you better not try to get rid of that. God might be teaching you something. You don't know what you might learn from that. Now, I know to us that sounds foreign. But that's good doctrine. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, or Proverbs, anxiety in the heart of a man brings it down. But a good word makes him glad. Amen. Do you see this? So Romans 12. Let's, let's dig into this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now the reason those, those things are, are so important is uh, in, in, in any area of life, thinking is so important because uh, uh, the way you see things if you're, it all has to go through the filter of your mind. Right? It all has to go through the filter of your mind. And how I filter things is so key. If I filter it through a religious mindset, I see it differently. It's the same thing, but I see it differently. Let me use a real, a real easy example. Everybody that encountered Goliath, except for David, were worried about what Goliath could do to them. And David's the only one that asked the question, what do you get if you kill him? You say, what was David showing us? How to get ahead in life. Amen. He cut off his head. You'll, you'll get that at home. Amen. Right? But, but notice the thinking. They saw undefeatable. David saw ready to die. Right? Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, again, Paul is saying, I beseech you. The word is translated throughout the King James Bible. I beg, I entreat, all right, is, is, is how it is given. Uh, but notice, by the mercies of God, 
in light of everything that's been said that has outlined the mercies of God, in light of all that, Paul's saying, here's what I am beseeching you, entreating you, begging you, asking you to do. Number one, present your body a living sacrifice. Present. That word is used throughout the Septuagint, which is the old Greek Old Testament, written thousands of years before Christ was born. That word is used throughout the Septuagint as the, uh, for the offerings and the sacrifices that the high priest would present to God. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, when people hear reasonable, they, they generally, well, it's the least you could do. It's, it's your rational service. Well, it does, it does mean that, but understand something. It means this. It's not something you cannot do if you don't do it on purpose. There's a reason behind you doing it. Why did they present the sacrifices in the Old Testament? Because they needed their sins atoned for. It wasn't irrational. It wasn't without reason. Have you ever dealt with an irrational person? Don't look at anybody. Have you... (laughs) Pastor Larry Price calls them dramacidal, all right? But what, what is the biggest thing you say about an irrational person? They just don't make sense. That's irrational, right? There used to be a woman come to church, and I wore a certain tie. It was my favorite tie. And every time I wore that tie, she'd meet me out in the back and say, Now, Pastor, I saw a demon in your tie. You know, I wanted to say a demon in my tie. Demons possess people to do things. Is that demon trying to possess my tie to choke me? I mean, what? And, right? And I just, I just blew it off the first couple times. And finally, she came to me and said, I can point out his crown and his face. And I'm thinking, dear God, this woman isn't going to get anything out of the word. Every time I wear this tie, she's not hearing what I'm saying. She's seeing a demon in my tie. I don't, is it, is it the brand? Is Dillard's not, is it the demon brand? What is it? And you say, that's funny. That was irrational. You say, what would you do? I took the tie off and said, here, sister, do whatever you want to do. Burn it, chop it up. I don't. That was irrational. No purpose in that. So Paul's saying, don't be, you can't do this irrationally. You cannot get up every day and present your body a living sacrifice without a purpose. Without a reason. Alright? This is something you do by reason. That's how it's defined. By reason or something you do with a rational purpose behind it. So he says, first of all, I have to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. So I see that this is holy and this is acceptable unto God. There are churches that you could go to and you could sit in those churches for three, four, five years and never hear that there's anything you got to do with your body. Never hear it. Because they have this theology, let go and let God. That's not Bible. The, Bible. the Bible idea is get in there with God and make something happen. Right? I mean, think about that. Very often, I've even heard songs written, you know, uh, uh, stand still and see the glory of the Lord. Moses said that, but God said, why are you telling them to stand still? Tell them to move forward. Did God open the Red Sea? Who, did God drive the seabed out? Who had to cross it? They had to do something with their body. Right? Did God shut the lion's mouth? Did Daniel go in the lion's den? Did Daniel believe God? He had to do something with his body and with his mind. Hallelujah. When the Bible talks about in the book of Philippians that Jesus came and he divested himself of all of his uh, 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 godly deity and became a man and took on him the guise of a servant. And notice what it said. He did not think 
It was robbery to be equal with God. He did not think that becoming a man made him less in God's sight. Jesus had to do something with his thinking. Jesus had to do something with his body. Jesus never sinned. Why did he never sin? Because he was Jesus? No, because he chose to every day present his body a living sacrifice and conform his mind to the Father's plan. The key to maturity is that you're doing something every day with your body and with your mind. Every day. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Remember when you first got saved? Not everybody, but some of you, some of us. When you first got saved, there there are people in here, there were any number of substances that you had going on in your life. Right? Or whatever. Some, it was just... Marlboro, or whatever, maybe a little wine, or whatever, or a lot of wine. (laughs) I don't know who that is, I'm just saying. (laughs) But the point is, what began to change? Everybody didn't feel a zap or a tingle and just get delivered. There are things you walked out. There were things you just made a conscious decision. I'm not doing that anymore. But who had to do that? Something with your body. Something with your mind. And then he says, and do not be conformed. King James says, do not be conformed. The present imperative in the Greek is this. Stop being conformed. And start being transformed. Now, verse, two tell, verse 1 tells us that he's writing to Christians. And he has to tell Christians, stop being conformed to this world and start being transformed. Is that right? Now, these were born-again people, probably spirit-filled. If, if, if we follow the pattern, they were probably spirit-filled. Paul had never been to the church in Rome, but he's writing to them. They were probably spirit-filled. So he has to tell born-again, probably spirit-filled people, you need to stop being conformed. And you need to start being transformed. What has been the problem over the last quarter century, 30 years in the church, is this. Is that people have been lulled into this idea that there's nothing they have to do. They don't have to present their body. They don't, and, and they call it works. But the scripture tells you and I right here in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he's, Paul says, I beg you, I earnestly entreat you, I plead with you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you be renewed in your mind, that you stop being conformed and you start being transformed. You see that? He doesn't consider it works. He considers it the least that you can do. He considers it something that you should get up every day and accomplish. And, you know, here's the thing. It gets easier. There are things that I don't have to get up every day and, and, and not think on. I just don't think on them anymore. Right? There are things that I don't have to submit my body to God to get over anymore. But there are still things that I have to do. Now, the reason this is so important is because he says, stop being conformed, start being transformed. Conformed means fashioned in the same way. Fashioned in the same way of this world. So that means we should be fashioned different. Not talking about your clothes, your mind. Our thinking should be fashioned different. It bothers me when I hear Christians thinking the same way the world thinks. That's a problem for me. It could be something as extreme as something you see in the world. I had a Christian woman tell some people one time, she said, well, you know, I personally think abortion is a good thing. How could a Christian ever think that? They have an unrenewed mind. I mean, I couldn't ever think that way. Hallelujah. Then he said, be transformed or transfigured. Everywhere through the word, you see the word transfigured. It's that word transformed. Transfigured. There is the idea when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration and the glory shined through him, not on him, through him. Be transformed. The Woos Bible says, stop assuming 
an outward expression that does not come from within you. Does not come from within you. And is not representative of what you are in your inner being. Now think about that for a moment. There are people that I know that when you see them and you talk to them, they are representative of what's in the inside of them as believers. But when you talk to a sinner, have you ever noticed that, that, that it's just it's what they are? And Paul tells the church at Rome, he says, stop assuming that outward expression that doesn't come from inside you. It's not a, a, a correct representation. He said, of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Now notice, here's, here's the key. But change. Oh, ask God to change. No, you change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being by how? Renewing your mind. Is that right? Hallelujah. Nobody can renew your mind for you. Now that seems elementary. But see, it goes back to the statement of my, well, just let go and let God. If you don't do something with your mind, God will not do anything with your mind. I mean, that would be wonderful. That would be heavenly. If you just laid down one night and you felt a little tingle. (laughs) And you got up and you never struggled with anything, right? Your mind was just a blank slate. Wait a minute, we know people that are like that anyway. But your mind... (laughs) It was just blank, right? That would be great. But, but here's the thing. The, the hard work, if I can say it that way, has been done. The hardest thing that needed to be done was done. Because what God had to do when He saved you, the Bible says He had to expose His entire arm and use His might to save you. Why? Because you couldn't. Then he saves you and makes you a new creature. And then he says, here's something you can do. Take the word and renew your mind. So what does that mean? It's not that hard of an issue. I can do it. God will help me. Oh, glory. That was worth coming through the snow for. An unrenewed mind or an unsaved soul, we could say, is not a representation of the change that's occurred in that believer. When you see a believer that has an unrenewed mind and they're still living a carnal life, that is not a representation of what's happened to them. And one of the greatest witnesses that anybody has when people look at them is they know there's a change because they're not what they used to be. And it's evident that they're not what they used to be. Hallelujah! I hope Rusty never gets tired of me telling this story because I sat in the courtroom with him. And I'm not just bra- I'm not bragging on Rusty, and he knows that and you know that. But I sat in the courtroom with him and I saw a video of the night that 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 Rusty his life changed basically. And I sat in that courtroom and I heard the judge, not a preacher, not I don't even know if this man was saved. I think he was, but not I heard the judge Look at the prosecuting attorney and say, I don't know everything, but I know this. The man sitting here today is not the man we see in that video. Did she say that? He said that? Because what was in him had changed. And he, what had he done? He had let what was in him save his soul. Amen. There are people that if they met you and they haven't seen you for years, they they wouldn't understand what's happened to you. What happened to you? Did did you lose weight? Did you change what you're... No, I got saved. Well, what's that? But why are they asking questions? Because they they see something they didn't see before. 
You don't think the way you used to think. You don't act the way you used to act. Why don't you think and act the way you used to act and think? Because you're renewing your mind with the Word, and when you renew your mind with the Word, it comes out on you on the outside. Glory be to God. Do you see that? That is the greatest testimony. Is that someone will say, you don't, even, you don't even act like you used to act. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Amen? Most believers do not think or know that they have to do something with their bodies and minds. I hear a lot of people say, well, I've admitted what I did wrong. That don't mean anything. So you admitted it. That's the start. What are you going to do about changing it? I'll have people tell me, well, I've admitted it. What else do you want me to do? Change so you don't do it again. Right? I used to talk, deal with a guy, and, and he's not here, doesn't come to the church anymore, so there's nobody in here, so <laughs> I'm not sneaking around. But he used to always, he would mess up, and then he would come to me, and he said, now look, I promise I'll never do this again, and I'll never do that. Finally, one day he came to me, and he started, and I said, brother, stop. Less talk, more do. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Go do it. Just go do it. I mean, I appreciate that you're repenting, and I appreciate that you're asking me to forgive you. But this is like the 50th time. Now do something about it. I will always forgive you. I will always love you. But now you got to go do something about it. you got to change that. Oh, glory. The enemy wages warfare in the mind because most people's minds are unguarded. Most people's minds are unguarded. And when I say most people's, I mean believers. Yeah, the, thing, the thing about a sinner is they, they know their mind's unguarded. They just let it go wherever it wants to go. Because that's what they do. Amen. Your mind is not renewed because you're just because you're born again. You don't just wake up one morning and your mind's renewed. Everybody starts on the same level, but I come to a point in time that I have to start renewing my mind. Notice in First uh, Peter 2. First Peter 2. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Say out loud, I'm renewing my mind. Now, see, that's not a bad thing. I'm renewing my mind. Hallelujah. You know, we say it sometimes, and it's, and it's kind of, for some of us, it's a whew, and others, it's kind of a, a chuckle. But, you know, we may not have arrived yet, but we left the station. Amen. We're in the process. Amen. When the trumpet sounds or when I draw my last breath, I will still have been renewing my mind that day Amen. to something. Amen. And I'm pretty sure that when we get to heaven, we'll still have to renew our minds some. Not from sin and wrongdoing, but to the greatness of God. Whoo! We might spend the first several millennia just going, wow, ooh, ah, right? I don't know. But I know the angels fly around the throne, and every time they come around, they see a different side of God, and that makes them go, my God, you're holy. I mean, they've been doing that for eternity, and they're going to do it for eternity. And every time they fly around, they're going to see a different side of God. Oh, my Lord. That, that, That means that the potential of God is unlimited, and God is in you, so it means your potential is unlimited, and the capstone is my mind. That's what caps off the potential of God. If I can get my mind renewed and get it flowing with the things of God, then the power of God can flow through my life unhindered. The mind caps it off because what you think stops what God can do. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, these are believers again, and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking. You know, the context here is that they're, they're getting together and being hypocrites. And they're talking evil around the dinner, you know, around their 
fellowship table? Believers. That's not you. I'm just saying these are believers. And he said, you got to lay that aside. Now, wait a minute. God will lay that aside for you. You got to lay it aside. Right? And notice, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, why is this important? Because he said, you got to lay it aside and you have to desire the word. Right? You have to desire it. Yeah, but how do I build a desire for the word? How do you build a desire for anything? Eating it, drinking it, being involved in it. Right? I've had people say, well, Pastor, I'm trying to read the word, but every time I read the word, it's just, it's kind of dry. Keep doing it. It'll get, it'll get more moist. Amen. Keep chewing. Amen. Amen. That's important. You ever sat down at a dinner table and ate something, and the more you chewed it, the bigger it got? <laughs> uh, amen. I've had that before. But, you know, there have been things that I didn't like in the beginning. I used to not like Brussels sprouts, despised Brussels sprouts. They smelled like feet to me. <laughs> right? But a few years ago now, moving into several years ago now, uh, uh, Pastor Michelle and I made some changes and did some things, and, and uh, 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 my cooking changed, and, and I thought, okay, this recipe calls for Brussels sprouts, and, and I don't really like Brussels sprouts, but here we go. And You know, I started chopping those Brussels sprouts in half and roasting them and putting some spices on them. My Lord, amen. Yeah, uh, and now you eat those Brussels sprouts, and my tongue will get wrapped around my eye teeth. I'll go blind for a minute. But it, oh, it is delicious. Delicious. I love it. But, you know, before when my mother cooked them, they were always slimy. And you'd put them in your mouth and it was like. We didn't have a dog. My sister wouldn't eat it. Well, 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 what's the point? Sometimes when you start with the word renewing your mind, you read something, and especially if it's something that kind of gets you, and you kind of go, <laughs> keep chewing. Because eventually it'll get better. And then you'll get to where you can't live without it. Right? He said you have to desire it. The modern language Bible says, like newborn babes, be thirsty for the unadulterated spiritual milk so that by its use you may grow up to salvation, presuming you have tasted how good the Lord is. Meaning this, presuming you've been born again. Peter says, if we make the assumption that you're born again, then if you will be thirsty for the word, you'll grow up into your salvation. Amen. Right? The, the Woos Bible says, as newborn infants intensely yearn for the unadulterated spiritual milk in order that by it you may be nourished and make progress in your salvation. In view of the fact that you've tasted that the Lord is kind, loving, and benevolent. What does that mean? In view of the fact that you've seen how good God is and how kind and loving and benevolent He is because He saved you. Now, desire the Word so you can grow up into your salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. So the method, Peter says, of growing up into our salvation or the way to make progress in salvation is to desire or ingest the Word. Hallelujah. In James 1. Glory to God. The Lord's helping us more than we know. Hallelujah. James 1, verse 21. Now, notice in verse 2, he's writing to believers again. My brethren. Verse 21. Lay apart all filthiness, moral dirtiness is what that word means, and superfluity of naughtiness, abundance of wickedness, and receive with meekness. Now notice, there's this humility. There's nothing you will ever receive from God apart from humility. Ever. 
You know, I've asked people before, they say, well, you know, why, why are we always contentious? Why is there always contention in my family or contention between me and this? The Bible says only by pride comes contention. Pride. So he says here, without saying it, he says, if you don't humble yourself, you're going to come into contention with the word. I got to humble myself, notice, and receive, receive. With meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. If any is a hearer of the word, not a doer, is like a man beholding his face in a glass. He beholds himself, goes his way, straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Mm. So part of the renewing of the mind, the saving of the soul, is found in hearing the word. Part of it is found in hearing the word. The other part is found in doing the word. Amen. Hearing and doing. Hallelujah. There are a lot of believers who know scripture, but their mind's not renewed. Right. I remember years ago, uh, well, it's been probably 30 years ago now or more, a guy I worked with in, in a corporation. And uh, uh, he was a nice guy, nice enough guy. I mean, uh, you know, he knew the word. He had several Bibles. I mean, he was always talking about the new Bible he had bought. And he had several Bibles, but uh, his talk was immoral, and he was living an immoral lifestyle, living in sin. But he knew the word. But his mind wasn't renewed. Faith comes by hearing. Yet the faith that came by hearing has to be applied by action. Comes by hearing, but it's got to be applied. I said this a couple Sundays here, I think, ago. There's a lot of people that think if they just hear enough word, things will change. But James said if you just hear the word, and you do not do the word, that all you're doing is deceiving yourself. Right? <laughs> right? It's like the guy I used to know. I used to play, play drums in a southern gospel band. You thought I was going to say southern rock. <laughs> I did that too. But I'm talking about the, the gospel time. And uh, this guy, this was back in the day when you couldn't get Nicorette without a prescription. And so he was a smoker, and it was this guy's band that I played in. And people say, well, he had a Christian band, he was smoking. Well, he was Baptist. And, you know, back, back where I was raised, uh, 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 the Baptist preachers smoked. And the deacons, they'd all meet out back of the church and smoke and talk about what they needed to do with the church. People say, well, were they saved? Yeah. There's not one scripture that says you'll go to hell for smoking. Amen. But you'll stay carnal. You'll stay immature because something has, uh, has control of you. Amen. Amen. So anyway, anyway, that's beyond that. Uh, oh, this guy, yeah. And uh, we'd come to his house for practice. And he was always setting his Nicorette out by his lunchbox. Yep, I'm starting tomorrow. Not going to smoke tomorrow. Taking the Nicorette to work. Somehow that Nicorette never made it to work. Somehow he never quit smoking. I, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm fairly certain he probably died smoking. Now people will say, well, what's the big deal with that? He never renewed his mind. He was always going to. He, he knew what he needed to do. He never applied it. Amen. For instance, you know people and I know people. They will come to churches like ours. They will talk to you and they'll say something. You'll go, my Lord, don't say that. The Bible says you can have what you say. And you can take them to the Word. And they'll hear, sit here and, li and listen to Mark 11, 22 through 24 and shout, Yes, hallelujah, whatsoever things I desire, when I pray, believe I say, I'll have what I say. And then they'll go out and say, Dear Lord, I better be careful. I might run off in the ditch and get stranded. They just heard the Word. What would be the proper response? Now, now we think about that and we think bad confession and good confession. How about carnal Christian and non-carnal Christian? 
A carnal Christian keeps their, their confession in line with what they see, with what they feel, and what they're going through. A non-carnal Christian keeps their confession in line with what God said alone. And so when you're confessing and somebody goes, well, who do you think you are, super spirit? You got it. You are right on. Don't be ashamed of that. Your mind's renewed. You know you'll have what you say. Hallelujah. How do you know that? Because the Word says it. And you know you had what you said before you got saved. There are people on the sound of my voice, you had a miserable life, and it was all tied to what you were saying. Amen. Are you following me? Let me hurry a little bit. It's early yet. Hallelujah. So if all we ever do is hear the word and never apply it to our minds, our minds will never be renewed. James said you can see something in the Word and be like a person looking in the mirror. You see the image and later on you forget what you saw. Amen. Charles Cap said this. He said, if Jesus walked through a church physically and walked by every person and said, from this day forward, you can have what you say. He said, most of the believers would look and say, boy, that just tickles me to death. Amen. But when your mind gets renewed, right? How many before you got born again, you just, and don't raise your hands, you can just, if it was you, that's fine. You just kind of had a grow worse image. You just kind of expected things to, to either stay the way they were or maybe even get worse. And what happened when you got born again and started applying the word. The first thing that happened is you begin to see something in your life that wasn't there before. You begin to have what the Bible calls hope. This can get better. And the more you applied the word, the word started working. Right? Hallelujah. The fact James says, I have to receive the implanted word that has the power to save my soul. The fact that I've received the word will be borne out by my acting on it. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Peter 1, 23 says that the seed that we have received is the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Right? The Passion Translation says, this seed that is planted in your heart. Paul, uh, James says it's the implanted word. The King James uses the word, the engrafted word. Well, a seed has to grow and produce fruit. The more the seed of the word grows in my life and in my mind, the more renewed my mind becomes. Amen. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? Look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and verse 7. We'll be done in a few minutes. He knows what he did. He knows what he said. But my mind is renewed and I don't care. Hallelujah. Listen, he's been popping off to me for 22 years. All right? So, if he's not allowed, nobody's allowed. Amen. Glory to God. I love church. Did I say Psalm 19.7? I did. And can, Brother Dave, could you show me that, my, my, please, sir, in the Amplified Bible? I want you to see this. Because it talks about the law of the Lord which is the word, the law of the Lord is perfect. Notice this, restoring the whole person. Amen. Now, why is that important? Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 in the Woost Bible says that he prayed that, the, that, that, that God sanctify them wholly, every part of every one of you. 
Every principle in the Word can be borne out throughout the Word. And the psalmist here says that the law, the Word of the Lord is perfect or complete and that the Word that is perfect and complete restores the whole person. Spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. So restore is to bring back again. To bring back to that place. The word perfect, the law of the Lord, he says is perfect. It means complete or whole or entire. So the ingesting of the word that is complete, whole, and entire will make us complete, whole, and entire. Because there's a natural saying, but it's spiritually relevant. You are what you eat. And the more you eat the Word, the more like the Word you become. And so that's why the Bible says if there's things I can lay aside and things that I can do, I can do it. And if I act on the Word, everybody say act on the Word. If I act on the Word, all, all of us in here, or all of us should have anyway, let's have led people to Christ. One on one witnessing, co-worker, whatever it may be. I, I, I've seen people that were living a very wicked lifestyle and just talk to them for 30 seconds and conviction would grip their heart and, and they would say what we call the sinner's prayer and just pray and, and ask God to save them. Amen. And that person was instantly changed in 30 seconds. Amen. Their spirit was instantly made new. Now if they'll get a hold of the Word and get in church and get under the teaching of the Word, everything in their life will change. Because how long did it take for their spirit to change? That long. Right? But then you begin to ingest the word. Amen. And you begin to become like the word. Let's look at one last scripture, shall we? Ephesians 4. When I receive the word, I'm made into the image of the word. I'm made into the image of the Word. But see, that's, that's the heavy lifting part. That's the work part. Is I've got to spend time in the Word. And when I say in the Word, I don't, I don't just necessarily mean reading the Word, although that's, that's vital. I mean in the Word and seeing myself in the Word. And what do I need to change in the Word? What, what do I need to change? Seeing that in the Word. Amen. I've talked to people before and they say, I have a hard time sleeping at night. Let me ask you one question. What are you thinking before you go to sleep? Because if you're thinking wrong, your mind never stops thinking. And so you lay your head down on your pillow at night thinking the wrong thing, then you're go- your, your body subconsciously, you're going to deal with that all night. If you go to bed thinking anxious thoughts, you're basically anxious all night. And you'll wake up feeling like you didn't sleep at all. But if you go to bed with the Word, and and what I mean by that is if if maybe reading it, reading a book about the Word, I don't know what you do, but I have a a process, I have a pattern. I I go in our room and, and I tell Alexa to shuffle songs by David Ingalls. And she starts shuffling those praise and worship songs. And we lay down and we get in bed and we either read the Word or we read a book or, or we're reading something about the Word. Amen. Why? Because I want to sleep wonderfully well and dream powerful, positive dreams and wake up in the morning refreshed and renewed, ready to go do my day. And so do you. How, how do I accomplish that? I, I, I soothe my mind with the Word. Oh, glory. Ephesians 4, 17. You know, for the sake of time, can, can we begin to... Uh, uh, let's look at this in the Amplified Bible. I want to go down through verse 21, please. That way we won't double up and read it twice. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in His presence... Now notice he's saying, I'm solemnly testifying this to you as if the Lord was right here. That you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles, in do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, emptiness of their souls, 
and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened. Their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it, this is, because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception. The willful blindness that's deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous. Now, you think I'm direct at times. That's why Paul wasn't a pastor. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous, past feeling, reckless, have abandoned themselves a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. But you did not so learn Christ. Now hang on right there for me, brother Dave. He's talking about a group of people that are living this way in that church. And he says, but you didn't learn that from Christ. You did not so learn Christ. Notice verse 21. Assuming... Now look at that word, assuming, assuming that you've really heard him. Now wait a minute, he said you did not so learn Christ, assuming you've really heard him. So does that mean, we're going to go on, so hold that scripture for me. Does that mean that you can hear and not really hear? It does, doesn't it? Assuming you've really heard him and been taught by him, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him. Notice, assuming you've really heard him, what do you do? Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off, discard your old unrenewed self that characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness and holiness. Paul says, if you've really heard Christ, if you've really been saved, then strip off the old nature. Put it away. Be renewed in your mind. And put on the new man and become what you're called to be. Amen. Amen. Did you see that process? If you've really heard, this is what you're going to do. Hallelujah. Isn't that, isn't that great? Why, why is that so great? I can do something about it. This isn't beyond my control. Oh, hallelujah. So he says, if you've really heard the word, then do something. Put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new man. Amen. So ever what it may be, we're going to wrap this up. Ever what it may be, you, 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 you may be sitting here and you can come up with a hundred things you need to renew your mind about. You may be sitting here and you've got you to work to come up with a couple. Well, praise God. E- e- either way, we've got work to do. But, but, but here's the point. Nothing is beyond the ability of you renewing your mind to. Amen. You understand? When... Uh, when uh, I was younger, younger, still young, but I was younger. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, it, it, I was never a needy person. I never looked to people to do things for me. I mean, I just, I just figured this, this is life. You know, you just, just got to do what you got to do. But, but I remember there came a point in my life where I began to get frustrated and I begin to get frustrated because there were, there were gaps in my life. And what I mean by gaps was things that nobody had ever taught me. Things that my dad had never taught me. Things that he had never gotten involved in and, and these different things. But now I'm telling you that for a reason. And uh, one day I was, I was thinking on that and, and you know it was, man. You know then here comes this feeling of yeah, boy. Yeah, you didn't this and you didn't that. I thank God. That something happened. Up out of my spirit came this understanding. You better get a hold of that. Because if you don't get a hold of that, you'll deal with that orphaned heart the rest of your life. Amen. And you better grab that. 
And, and people say, well, what'd you do? Well, I got in the Word. I did what I just preached to you. Amen. Amen. And, and I begin to see God is my Father. Right? And, and I begin to see that earthly fathers are not perfect. And God began to reveal things to me about my father's life and things that he had went through and things that he didn't know. And you know, you can't teach somebody something you don't know. You can't be anything to anybody that nobody's ever been to you unless you renew your mind by the word of God. Right? And I used to make this statement all the time. Well, I'll tell you what. My kids are never going to go through that. And it became very real to me that if I didn't renew my mind, yes, they were. Because you are destined to repeat the mistakes of your natural DNA until you change it with your spiritual DNA. I got to change it. I don't ever want my children to be without a father. Then you better get in the Word. You better get in the Word. Amen. This is important. But I'm trying to tell you how easy it was. I didn't have to grip my teeth. I didn't have to go on a 40-day fast. I didn't have to go through psychoanalysis, deal with all my hurt from the past. The more I renewed my mind, the better my life that I'd had was. I saw how good it really was. And you know what else I saw? I saw how often my dad had really been there for me. What does 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the devil does? Blind the minds. Blind the what? The minds. Of who? Believers. People that need to believe and can't because their mind's blinded. Amen. You say, how'd that culminate? I called my dad. I said, look, I said, I, I, I just want you to know something. I forgive you. And I said, that, you know, there were things you didn't know. You couldn't teach me what you didn't know. So I forgive you. And I'm, I'm grateful because then for the next 20 years, we had a great relationship. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So whatever you got to deal with, the word's the answer. Amen. But don't let your mind just keep focusing on that like you got a right to hold on to that and not renew your mind. You don't have a right to hold on to any hurt, any unforgiveness, any bitterness. You have no right. Because the Bible says you're supposed to put all that aside and renew your mind. But if you knew what they did, it wouldn't make a lick of difference if I knew what they did. I know what the Word said, and regardless of what they did, we got to go with what the Word said. I've had people tell me before, Pastor, if you, if you knew what I was going through, you'd be worried. Well, maybe or maybe not. But the bottom line is, regardless of whether I'm going through it or not, or I know what you're going through, the Word still says don't be anxious about anything. <laughs> right? So say it out loud before you stand up. Say, I am renewing my mind. I am complete in Christ. I am loved by God. I am able to overcome every situation, every circumstance, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Say it out loud. The greater one lives in me. The greater one lives in me. The greater one lives in me. me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up today, shall we? Praise the Lord.